This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. The founder of this company, 10 years ago, was trying to sell his house. He's, you know, he's kind of an important guy. And he said to his wife, if this is what it's like for us, how do people who have no clout ever get around this? So he started a company and it went into business, I think, three years ago. Their deal is, their word is their bond. And they are people that listen to this show. They are just like you. Now, how can I say that? Because I'm the founder of the company. Realestateagentsitrust.com. Did the trajectory of the campaign change last night? Remember yesterday when Guru Jay say this primary is going to be really important but not as important as everyone widely believes it to be. And tomorrow, neither candidate of the two majors will be as big a winner or a loser as we are sitting here expecting today. Did the trajectory of the campaign change last night? Our question and answer of the day, quickly dispatched with so we can get on to cheap yaks, here on the Blaze Radio Network, I am Jay Severin, Excelsior. Welcome back. Thank you. Thank you for making this choice. You you made this choice to choose Jay Severin and the Jaily News here on the Blaze Radio Network. one 888 is no money back guarantee because there is no money. But I guarantee you a good time or your money back. Or your next show. This show is going to be delivered in the next two hours. Or your next show is free. one 888 1-888-900-3393. As in a recent tweet, thank you, Laura from Michigan. I sure hope I have that right. I believe it was Laura from Michigan who gave us the name Rince Pubis, uh, which is brilliant, and, uh, and I've already used it, so, and we'll use it again. So, Laura, thank you from all of us. So, on Wisconsin, on Wisconsin, fight, fight for that ball. Something like that. Hold that line. Touchdown, sure, this time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On Wisconsin. On from Wisconsin is my point. On from Wisconsin. Bottom line. If, if something happened right now and they said, Jay, we have an emergency, you have five seconds, and uh, we have to cut the show off for today, I'd say a three, two, one. Wisconsin, 42 delegates. New York, 92. That's a cold five. Okay. And it's a cold fact. And that's the bookend of the discussion we will have today to the degree we have it. 
Again, it's always up to you where the show goes. But the book ends one way or the other is that five-second message. Wisconsin has 42 delegates. New York has 92. So however we were thinking about Wisconsin, New York is more than twice as big in terms of a payoff, and it comes two weeks later in the process, which is going to make it seem like 10 times the payoff. That's not to diminish in any way Ted Cruz's achievement. I am for Ted Cruz. Many of you are for Ted Cruz. It is also, to be perfectly honest, and and for those of us who are for Trump, or who may end up voting for him while we like stab ourselves in the thigh with a with a kitchen knife and 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 bite on a piece of wood while we're doing it you know because we would rather do that than vote for Hillary so for everyone along the spectrum to be fair and honest it is as we discussed yesterday it would be and it be this No one is as big a winner nor a loser as a result of Wisconsin as the media was telling you because the media, you know why, you know, they're they're, they're beating that drum for ratings. Hey, who isn't? I'm not faulting them for it. I'm just pointing it out. You know, they need you to watch. They need you to believe in the melodrama. Look, as as all we do, and we want to, we want to believe in it. I believe in it. I believe, I believe, I believe in ghosts, I believe in ghosts, I believe in ghosts. I do, no, you know, I really do. I do, I do, I do, I do. And I do believe in the American tragic comedy, which is this court of truth. Draw nigh and be heard, by the way. Yes, it's an American tragic comedy in two acts. Act one. Where was Waldo Trump last night? Did anyone notice that Donald Trump has fairly brilliantly maneuvered, manipulated, choreographed, yanked the chain of everybody by scheduling a primetime alert, alert press conference for 9 o'clock on election nights? Remember? Remember the last five, six, seven, eight primaries? When the polls were just closing, but everyone went live to Mar-a-Lago, Donald Trump's golf club, so he could so he could have out, so he could whip out his ham and and vodka uh, and uh, magazine and other products, other Trump products. And last night, where was Waldo Trump? Do you get the sense that maybe he's not as good, not as easy? as gracious a loser as he is a winner? I don't know. Do you just, is it fair to have that sense? It was a big night for Ted Cruz. It was big because Ted Cruz needed to establish that Donald Trump is not inevitable. That Ted Cruz is still very much in this race. I think both were true before and after last night, and would have been true, in fact, would have been in fact true, 
had the results of last night been reversed. And the results, in case you haven't been following it, is by actual percentage points, Ted Cruz won by 13 points, which is big. One might one might say huge. And he also won uh, all of the delegates but three. Kasich won none. <laughs> hey, can I ask you something? Just, it, it, I ask it somewhat rhetorically, but not entirely. You want to explain to me what Kasich, if, if you don't accept that Kasich has a deal with the RNC, you want to tell me what Kasich is doing in this race? How is one state Johnny in this race? After all of the blood and guts and money and sweat and blood and tears, work, joy, pain, the crucible of the campaign that Cruz and Trump have been through, and even some guys who aren't in it but were in it for a long time, like Rubia, would you tell me how one note, one state Johnny, the mailman Kasich, is still in this? If he doesn't have a deal, somebody, anybody, We're, what is he using his great family fortune for this? He doesn't have two nickels to rub together. Hey, that doesn't make him a bad person or you're listening to a bad person. I'm not, I'm not blaming him. I ain't hating on the dude for being Poe, but Poe he is and Poe he remains. So he's not funding this. Where's the money coming from? What, by coincidence, all the guys that Carl Rove, and Carl, I'm just using you as an example, but all the Rovians are giving, what, tens of millions of dollars to John Kasich? Spelled K-S-I-C-K. Kasich. They're, they're giving $100 million to Kasich? Why? Why? Why do people give a million or $10 million to a campaign? You roll out of bed in the morning and you have that kind of money to give and you look at the roster of candidates and you say, Kasich, definitely Kasich. All right. It was a big night for Ted Cruz for the reason aforesaid. He needed to establish, don't forget, this is far from over. I'm still in this. And P.S., I've won the last, what is it, five primaries? And... For reasons we'll talk about in a moment, the fact that Ted Cruz has won the last four or five primaries in a row is, frankly, the second most important headline to political types, to people with money, to people in the media, to all these other delegate types. You know the most important headline? The other side of that coin. Donald Trump has lost five in a row. Jay Severin on the Blaze Radio Network. The founder of this company 10 years ago was trying to sell his house. He's, you know, he's kind of an important guy. And he said to his wife, if this is what it's like for us, how do people who have no clout ever get around this? So he started a company and it went into business, I think, three years ago. 
Their deal is, their word is their bond. And they are people that listen to this show. They are just like you. Now, how can I say that? Because I'm the founder of the company. Realestateagentsitrust.com. You are the best and brightest. I uh, am here with you. I'm with them. And I am Jay Severin. one 3393 Big night. With, that, with everything you wanted to know, and much more, uh, about Wisconsin and what happens next, but weren't afraid to ask. You prove it by calling me one 900 3393. Rock writes, uh, Prince Pubis says the nominee will be one of the three candidates still running. Bear in mind, he doesn't say that with any legal or procedural power of commitment of any kind, without any authority. And if he did, he could say the Rules Committee changed it on me, and I had no idea, and... That's that. Next question. Now, why is he saying it? Well, you know, here's where we get down to theory. And a lot of it from here on in is is theory. Because what I think is happening is so outrageous that I don't blame you if you don't believe it. The notion that the Republican Party, that a political party is is scheming to kill off the people who actually have run and won votes in order to install their own interloper in the race. The thinking being that, you know, if you you were listening a month ago, uh, forgive me for repeating, I may have said it again in the last month, but the thinking being, or the rationale for this being, their rationale, not mine, but the rationale, their rationale being, we would rather weather the anger of our voters by totally jerking them around and manipulating this campaign than we would have Donald Trump or Ted Cruz represent our party. And again, it comes down to the same exactly, identically the same line as the first day we ever discussed this, which goes back many, many moons, and that is uh, Prince Pubis et al. would rather lose with John Kasich or somebody else than win with Ted Cruz or Donald Trump. Now, that's that's a theory. I believe it will mature into a theorem, I believe this is what they believe, but I can't prove that. All I can do is present to you evidence as it develops. Now, last night was a big night for Ted Cruz. But but why and how? Because he won by 13%? Yes and no. Because he won almost all of the delegates. Getting warmer, yes, but not really. What, what did Ted really win last night? What's the immediate material effect? I admit uh, 
33, is that what he won? 33 delegates, 40 delegates, whatever he won. You, you know, yeah, yeah. But he's 250 delegates behind Trump. Okay? So he he did nothing materially to change the fundamental math. Now, is it true that someday this whole thing could rest on three delegates? Yeah, that could happen. And if that happens, if this is close, is he going to want those four? You know, will there be any such thing as a state, as delegates that don't matter? Uh Uh-uh. You know, you'll be looking at New Hampshire with its three delegates like, you know, an 18-year-old looks at porn. You know, if and when that moment should arrive. But even the delegates are not the reason why last night was a big night for Ted Cruz. I've already said it. It's the other side of that exact same coin. It's not that Ted won 38, 39 delegates. It's that he denied them to Trump. Time is... I do that because we can't hear sands through the hourglass, but baby, it's tick-tock. And the next victory Trump can hope to have is two weeks away. And a lot can happen in perceptions and different things in two weeks. This is politics. And the reason it was a big night for Ted Cruz was not that he won most of Wisconsin's delegates, but rather that he denied them to Donald Trump. Because if Donald Trump had won a lot or most of the delegates, then just mathematically, he would have been almost 300 delegates ahead of Cruz. And all of the headlines would have said, I mean, I wrote a tweet yesterday. I gave the two headlines of today. I'll find it later. And I said, it's going to be this headline or that headline. And one of the headlines was, Cruz, sorry, uh, 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 Trump marches on toward inevitable nomination path. That's what would have been all of the story, all of the headlines, if the results had been different last night. So an addition of, of, of 39 delegates or whatever it was does, does not help Ted, not a fraction as much as making sure Trump didn't get them. That's what made last night crucial. Now, the race is now virtually, I mean, can we stop kidding around? The race for president on the Republican side is now virtually announced as a delegate floor race. The most important people in this campaign are the people who can choose and bribe and steal and manipulate and produce delegates. That's that. Period. Period. Now, that's unless the RNC goes with the nuclear option. That phrase has been used before. We're using it right now for the first time in American media to apply to the convention. And the option the Republican National Committee has to say the following. 
anybody who arrives here without a majority of delegates, you, you recall Project 1236? Okay. The RNC says, if you arrive here at the convention and you don't already have 1237, that means the people have rejected you. You tried, you presented yourself to the people, and our voters rejected you. So you're out of it. You're out of it. You're DQ'd. You're disqualified. You're out of it. You can't bargain for delegates. You can't take part in a delegate floor fight. You're out of it. You tried and lost. You not only lost, you're a loser. You're out of it. So we're going to go to someone who didn't get the two greatest amount of votes. That's the nuclear option. Can we get away with it? Jay Severin, the Blaze Radio Network. Network. And only with these partners on the Blaze Radio Network, one 888 leading into our calls. Uh, uh, may I reiterate the question, can, would the RNC try to pull off the conventional nuclear option here in afternoon as the CNO? The Convention Nuclear Option. Trademark, Guru J, Blaze Radio Network. Holy cow. Would, would they try? Will they? Why might they? School of thought, as aforementioned. Damage from livid Republicans. Damage wreaked by Cruz and Trump supporters at all, not as bad for us in the end as Cruz or Trump at the top of our ticket. Believe it or not, that is the rationale that I firmly believe is backing up the consideration, the existence, the existence. I'm not saying they'll go for the CNO. I'm just saying it exists. And if it exists, Someone thought it up and presented it and had to have a rationale. And we know that that is what it is, and we know that's what the rationale is. And again, for the record, the CNO, trademark, Guru J, Blaze Radio Network, holy cow, 2016. Uh, For the record, the CNO is the nuclear option, convention nuclear option, and that is, quote, any Republican candidate, Arriving at the Republican convention without 1,237 delegates has already failed, has presented him or herself to the voters, and has failed to attract their votes, and thus is hereby disqualified at once from further consideration. New person, please. Bring up the new person. Or persons. Bring up Paul Ryan, John Kasich, Mitt Romney, 
uh, and the rest of the list. Chris from Colorado, welcome. Hey, Jay. Hey, Chris. Um, I just I have a question, and I don't want to put Guru Jay on the spot. No, but, please do. But I've got to. Okay. Please do. I I'm surrounded okay. by 50 gallon drums of spot remover. That's why I'm here. <laughs> All right. Okay. So we've been told by many conservative people with voices that a third party isn't going to work. We can't get a third party done. The two parties that exist would crush it and laugh, you know, and have no right. problem with that. Well, by the way, if any, if anybody, I'll leave it to you to judge who's conservative and who isn't. But anyone who is telling you that now may be any number of things, but a politician, they're not. I mean, right. you, you know, anyone who says a third candidate, because the key to this is in the phrasing, Chris, if I went out and did a poll, you and I did a poll tonight, a good one, and the essence of it was, would you vote for, and we had two questions. I'm sorry, we had one question phrased two ways. So, in effect, we had two questions. We asked, we asked, we took a thousand, we took a thousand people on each side, Chris. The first thousand we asked, would you vote for a third party candidate? And the second thousand we would ask, would you vote for, and then we would insert a few names. Would you consider voting for a few of these people if they ran without a party endorsement? And I promise you, you would get very different results. I'm sure, yes. Right? Because so, it's, the, right. it's the taint, whether it's – not everyone sees it as pejorative. Some people like the way that sounds. But for most people, third party is kind of a pejorative, and it, it's, it's kind of a taint. You know, it's not a, it's not a, a, uh, it's not a brag. It's a taint. So anyway, just go ahead, please. Okay. So then we were told we had to affect change from within our party. So, so the Tea Party got started, and, and now we've got two candidates who, whether you know you agree with their policies or not, the people who are voting them for them are trying to affect change. Right. And yeah, no, now, all the all of all of we regular people have made the obviously uh, now uh, ridiculous mistake of playing by the rules, doing as we were told. Exactly. And and the door is now potentially most likely being shut out our shut in our face at the convention. On where our neither face. one yeah. of Well yeah. Um so my question then is what are we to do for the future? Because if they get away with it this time, it it will never be a question again. I mean it will just be them putting up a candidate. We right. I mean so, so I guess my what what are you're in good company. By the way, just let me insinuate this: he, David Axelrod, who is a communist, but is a guy who is a political genius. He knows everything about everything political. Uh, you you know him, Axelrod, guy with the mustache. Yes. Oh yeah, <clears throat> okay. yeah, yeah. Axelrod said last night. Uh, on live television, pretty much, pretty much what you just said. Axel Rock oh. said, 
Yeah, no, Axelrod said, um, well, I'll, I won't try to recall it exactly. He said, he said, I'm paraphrasing, but very closely. Um, and, and I'm just saying this to validate what, you, what, what you're saying when I say you're in good company, because this guy knows everything. And he said, uh, what is going to be the reaction of people who have fought and sweat, you know, and stood in line and, you know, st- you know, we stood in line for four hours to cast a, a primary vote or caucused or been in a rainstorm or had to hire sitters or what about all the people who participated by, I mean, he didn't get this wordy about it, but you know, well, what about all the people who participated who gave this blood, sweat and tears you're supposed to, and then you tell them, Hey, that was, that was cute. That was nice. Now shut up and go away because we're going to do what we're going to do no matter what you say. And we and and, and that that presages what you have said today along with the question it begs which you have also said and that is how do I ever trust you again? Oh, well, yeah, there there wouldn't be. There would be no you know, there's not going to be any trust. I mean, it would I would probably never vote Republican again. Well, can you imagine? Let's just spend another delicious yet agonizing moment on this. Now that the media has sort of milked this, and I'm not criticizing, but I'm part of it. But the 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 great media complex in America has milked every second, and yeah, and you ain't seen nothing yet. Has milked the civic circus maximus for every ounce of coverage. Yes. Yes. And the parties have have fed into this and cooperated in every possible way to make this a daily civic circus maximus. I mean, everyone's in on it. And and then four years from now, which sounds like a long time from now, but really isn't four years from now, when CNN comes on the air and says they put up their countdown clock on the screen and it says only Mm -hmm. 109 days until the Iowa primary and tries to start, start selling you Iowa stories 109 days before the fact selling you on the idea. You ought to watch us. We have a special report tomorrow night when there's only 108 days left until the Iowa caucus about the, you know, can you imagine that intelligent people would look at the screen and say, bite me, you know, you know, fool me once shame on me. But forget it, Buster. No doubt. I agree to yeah, oh yeah. So and I mean so what I get, say to the politicians. Right, but the problem then is somebody's gonna vote, right? I mean even well, if it's five people, vote. even right. Well, even if he goes out and just votes for himself, even if the rest of the country says, you know, bite me. Um, and the voters don't come out, he'll win just by voting for himself if he's got the bigger family. You know, I mean, I'm just saying. That's why, that's why Donald Trump is a viable, I don't believe he's a viable president. This is my personal view. That's why Donald Trump, though not a viable president, is a viable candidate for president of the United States. Because... The frustration, the dead end, the, 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 the utter frustration of that riddle 
that, that you state is the frustration we all feel, Chris, and the anger we all feel, and it is that kind, it is, it is that kind of frustration and anger exactly that created and propels a candidacy as impractical, as fantastic as Donald Trump's. It's because we were sitting there, and I say we, not necessarily you and me or you or me, but we, we were sitting there, America was sitting there, we have gotten screwed and lied to so many times that we were ripe. We were just waiting, you know, for someone to come along and express our anger and bitter frustration at how we've been treated. And that is, what do we call it? The serendipity, the genius, the coincidence of the Trump campaign? I don't know. But it has nothing to do with Donald Trump. It has everything to do with what he represents. No, I agree completely. Now, what was so, which have we gotten to the part where I'm supposed to be using the spot remover? Well, well, the, it was what? What do we do? That was my question. Was is there, if not for this election, which I, I hope that you know something could come out of this election that wouldn't be just an utter train wreck. Right. But if not for this election, for next election, is I mean, is there anything that we can do? I'm with you. Because uh, no, no, not no. A thing. Uh, we could pay attention. Uh, we could be informed. Is really the best. And I know talk about frustration. I know that's a frustrating answer. But the best we can do is be as smart about it as we can, so we so we can read the stitches on the curveball next time. I know it's supposed to be fastball, but in this case, I think curveball or screwball is uh, more appropriate. Spitball, probably most appropriate of all. That's what we could do, Chris. We can try to be as smart as possible because we're going to have to do something. And I don't know what that is. I do know that if one of the two major parties, and especially under these particular circumstances, the Republican Party, screws two-thirds of its constituency openly with a sneer on its face, I know that one of two things will happen. Either the Republican Party will cease to exist or the Republican Party will cease to exist. This is Jay Febron on the Blaze Radio Network. Network. Horse 52602, otherwise known as John A., tweets something uh, most interesting. The question, would the end of the GOP be so bad? Great question. The answer, unfortunately, is yes. Because a, th- a third, a so-called third party, a, a third candidate, forget third party. See, again, that's where we get into a whole big mess. Just a third candidate. Would, would that be bad? I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't fear the Reaper. I mean, go ahead. Third candidate? Have five of them. The more the merrier. But if the 
if one of the two major parties disintegrates, if you happen to have been a marginal member of that party, and especially if you were, you know, a more serious member of that party, all of a sudden you lack legal standing to get petitions to run for Congress or to support someone else or to raise money because all of a sudden you're not a party. This entire system has been built and evolved, devolved, around the notion of a two-major-party system. You can't get on for debates. You can't raise money. You can't establish a committee. You can't – and you probably could, but it would take so – it would require a degree of difficulty ludicrous. It would effectively shut you down. It would be like the question, well, how hard would it be to start my own? I don't mean all of us together. I just mean if I just decided to retire and start my own political party. Gee, could I do that? I, that would be interesting. I, I, you know, in 30 years, I hope to read a column in Scientific American or, you know, Field Journal of National Geographic or some other really important news source whether or not somebody 30 years ago tried to start their own political party. That's that's the thing that is most amoral and wicked about what the Republicans are doing. They are perverting a piece of America and doing it so far with legal protection. The Jay Severin Show, only on the Blaze Radio Network. It was a big night. Well, but for whom? Well, and was it that big? Excelsior. Let's go. An American tragic comedy in two acts is the Jaily News on the Blaze Radio Network, Act Two. Last night, Wisconsin, on Wisconsin, on Wisconsin. A big deal, but not quite as big a deal as maybe it seems. But as Afor said, the most important thing that happened last night was not that Ted Cruz won 39 delegates or whatever he won in Wisconsin. It's that he prevented Trump from winning them. What Ted Cruz cannot afford, he's, what, 250 almost uh, delegates behind. Did you know that? He's nearly 250 delegates behind Trump. So so long as anyone is still dealing, and I, I'm willing to, I'm still willing to believe that it's possible that you can win the nomination without Prince Pubis fixing the entire thing and raping the American political system. So I still believe, call me naive, I'll still believe that that's possible. So for now, I still believe in ghosts. I still believe in delegates. I do believe in ghosts. I do believe in ghosts. I do, I do, I do, I do. Uh, So for now, I believe in delegates. And that's what happened last night. 
That's what happened. Ted Cruz bought more time. And he re-bought the notion that he's very much in this. And he put a stopper in that bottle from which the media was starting to chug that says Trump is inevitable. This said, no, Trump is not inevitable. I've just beaten him five times in a row. And this was a state in which he predicted victory like two days ago. So that's what happened last night. But. But. And I like big butts. Can't deny. Uh, But the biggest headline of all is what happens two weeks from last night. Do you know what happens exactly two weeks from this moment? God willing, you and I will be sitting here together. But do you know what else will happen exactly two weeks from today? Wisconsin will long ago have faded from our memory, memories and the memory such as it is of uh, various mainstream media. What we'll be talking about exactly two weeks, again, God willing, from this moment, is what happened last night. Uh, Not last night, but when it's two weeks from today, last night. Because what will have happened two weeks from now, last night, is that New York's 92 delegates will have been won or lost. 92 delegates. That's as in almost 100 At this point in the game, it's like 10 Wisconsins. So bear in mind that to the degree that the media either itself simply doesn't know enough to understand that Trump is not as big a loser as they want to make him look today, Or they do know, but they just want to sell you the continuing melodrama because they want to put that countdown clock up there, you know, and say that the melodrama goes on only 2,967 days until the election for Trump's second term. (laughs) I think CNN has that up right now. Uh, What they need you to you know, believe is in the melodrama. And the big deal is New York, 92 delegates. And right now the polls suggest that Donald Trump might very well well win them all. He needs to win. This is one of those states in which if you exceed 50% of the vote, you get everything. Blackjack. You get everything. And I don't think anyone has ever believed that Trump wouldn't do very well in New York. I think one of the things that's going to help that, just parenthetically, I watched Ted Cruz give his first uh, quasi-New York interview today. He gave it in the Bronx. He had just met with Hispanic and African-American pastors who were up on the stage with him. Now, the fact that he was surrounded by such a crowd and the fact that he gave his press conference late in the afternoon, almost after deadline time, and the fact that he's in the Bronx, 
You know what the real physical fact of life is? People are not going to go up to the, you know, no one's going to go leave at, at three o'clock to go up to the Bronx for a press conference. Physically, they're just not doing it. They're not going. It's going to take you an hour and a half to get there, no matter how you go. You'll be sweating or freezing on the train going up there, and it's, you know, you're going to get killed, and no one wants to do it. So you're, you're not going. And the, just the physical reality of that has a lot to do with it. So I understand Cruz is up in the Bronx today. Oh, yeah. Isn't he, isn't he in New York tomorrow? You know, meaning in Manhattan or even at least Brooklyn where we could, you know, reasonably go. But my point is, wait till Ted Cruz, Ted Cruz is my guy. But wait till Ted Cruz gets a load of the New York media. Whoa! He has no idea. Nobody ever does. Wait till he gets a load of New York media. Ted Cruz is the guy who helped win himself Iowa by slamming Donald Trump for being someone who held, who remembers. Donald Trump is guided by blank, blank values. Yes, New York values. Those are New York values, not Iowa values. How many thousands of times was that uttered? Well, now he's in New York. And the New York media is nothing like if it were the other way around. Wadel Cruz gets a load of New York media. Not just because of that. That's, that's the least of his challenges. Just wait. Anyway, never forget that as good a night as it looked for Ted last night, and it was a good night. Remember why it was good. It was good because he prevented Trump from getting the ball. Trump can't score if he doesn't have the ball, and he didn't score last night. He didn't have the ball. Two weeks from last night is New York. 92 delegates. You must prepare realistically, no matter who, whom you may be backing, that Trump could win them all and then turn around and be looking at some northeastern states, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, I mean, there's a handful of states there before they head off to California. And if Trump wins California, I don't know how many delegates California has. I have to look. I'm sorry. I'll have to look it up. But it's more than 100. I can tell you that for sure. So this is how it goes. It's living off the land from week to week. That's what we'll be discussing in two weeks. That's how quickly things change. So the bottom line is that neither Trump uh, is in bad a shape nor Cruz sitting as sweet as the mainstream media is reporting last night and today. It is what it is, but it isn't cosmic. Not nearly. Okay, the percentage of votes now needed as of today, I'm sorry, percentage of delegates, I say votes, but Forgive me, I'm using them interchangeably. The percentage of delegates needed from uh, henceforth to prevail, Trump must win 56, that's 5-6, 56% of the delegates yet to be awarded 
pre-convention. He needs 56% to get to the convention with 1237. Ted Cruz needs 82% of all the remaining delegates. 56 is tough, but it's doable. 82%? As much as I'd like to tell you that it's a breeze or Fabrice, I just don't think it's possible. I mean, okay, it's possible. Do I think it's going to happen? I don't think it's going to happen. And that's why, as of last night, The real bottom line for Ted Cruz is he is looking to surf, trust me on this, or at least listen to me and try to trust me, Ted Cruz's strategy from last night on is trying to surf a wave of momentum. So what's really important last night to... Ted Cruz, other than the fact that he prevented Trump from looking inevitable. He prevented Trump from going ahead by 250 or 300 delegates. He prevented Trump, Trump, Trump by winning. And he looked like, hey, don't forget, look, Ted's shifting the whole ballgame here. Now, the whole ballgame didn't shift, but the ballgame is close to tied now, in effect. But You have to look down, got to look down the line here, like New York and other things we've talked about. But what Ted Cruz is trying to do is surf a wave of momentum. That's what I mean by last night. If he wins several in a row, and Ted Cruz has won, what, five in a row? See, that's creating its own meme. It's creating its own legend. If Ted can win several in a row, even if they're fairly small, If he can win several in a row, he's going to have this wave of momentum that's going to overpower the Trump story. And he hopes to surf that wave of momentum into Cleveland, where they don't shred much, I realize. But that's what Ted Cruz is hoping to do. He's not going to say it out loud, but he knows he can't get to 1237. Ted Cruz cannot get to 1237 before the convention. What he can do is win enough that it looks like the momentum, 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 mo, 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 is behind him, and he cruises into Cleveland with the big mo. The Jay Severin Show, only on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back, my dear friends, my partners. We are the Blaze Radio Network. I'm Jay Severin, 1-888-900-3393. 1-888-900-3393. Rock just uh, was kind enough to tweet me, uh, Jay, you're using the same statistical explanation I tried to present when you cut me off the air about a month ago. Uh Rock, even taking without challenge, 
the accuracy of your presentation, your indictment here. The important thing is that you don't hold a grudge. So I'm grateful for that. I'm glad we're not making a big deal out of anything uh, a month later, a month later. And, uh, and by the way, all I did was mention two numbers that here are the percentage that Trump needs to do and the Cruz needs to do. What you don't know, Rock, when you call in is what I'm doing with the clock or anything else I have to do or what might fit in the show because I appreciate that I have shadow producers of talent and intelligence. It's just that I have to actually run the show. Um, By the way, one statistic, and I'm using, in case you're not noticing, I'm using exactly the same statistical explanation I tried, no, Rock tried to present when I cut him off the air. When was it? About a month ago? Uh, And that is, the last number is Kasich, the percentage of voters he needs to win the nomination. Uh, John Kasich needs to win the nomination 235% uh, of the remaining delegates. Uh, last night, you may have heard uh, Charles Krauthammer talk about one of the things that impressed him about last night, which is, again, under the category of why nobody is sitting as sweet or as lousy as the mainstream media tries to project because they treat us like, you know, eight-year-olds. And they don't think we can understand these things. So they try to give us the this unidimensional story. You know, see Jack, see Jack run, see the cat, see Jack chase the cat. Well, what uh, Dr. Krauthammer mentioned was that the Trump base vote, Trump lost last night and still got, what did he get? 30%, 35%, of the vote, which pretty much tells you even when he gets wiped out, he has a base vote that will not leave him. Now, some people have mocked this and said, well, he lost. What does it matter? Okay, he lost. And I'm not for him. Yeah, but as professionals, there are certain things we look for. And one thing we look for is, do you have a loyal base? Trump does. James from... The great state of Alabama. Thanks for your patience. Oh, it's a pleasure to be on the show, Jeff. Welcome back. Now, I got something that I tweeted to you earlier because I had it on my head just then. One thing I don't think the GOP is fully taking into consideration, if they pull that nuclear option and they screw Trump or Cruz, that backlash is going to hit them in November because it's not just the president that's on that ballot. There's all those other Republicans running right down that ticket. Exactly right. Now, you tweet, didn't you tweet this to me about 20 minutes ago, half an hour ago? Yes, I did. Yeah, no, it was a, and I, I believe I wrote back that it was a great point. James does have a great point, folks. And you, you yeah, know, we're all focusing on the major, you know, the main act in the center ring here in the Civic Circus Moximus. But there are a lot of people trying to make their money, you know, who are not right now in the center ring. They're like the beautiful Jen who's up uh, working that fabric and, you know, 200 feet over the circus arena. Jen, tell it. Huh? Am I telling it? And and so, you know, not everyone's in the center ring. You're still trying to make a living and you could still fall on your head and die. And that's pretty much all these people running for the House and the Senate. They're up there on the rope. 
they could still fall on their heads and die. And, and so they watch this and they say, no one's paying attention to us. Everyone's paying attention to the top two guys, three guys in the race. Meanwhile, when people go into the voting booth, they're going to take it out on us. Oh, it's not just that. You got state governors, you got state houses, state senate. Everything. I mean, this is the whole party. Hey, I know. Hey, the Republicans, I was part of working on. I know how long it takes. I was working since the 1980s in in Republican campaigns advising state parties and the Republican National Committee on how to produce majorities in state legislators, you know, around the country, that it starts there and then producing Republican governors and, you know, trying to do it from the ground up. And it took taken Republicans 25 years to get to a place where they have the majority of state legislators and governors uh, to have that machinery and to have that place of education and influence you know, in in the process and on the issues. And now they could be throwing, you could throw it away with one bum top of the ticket choice. And James, I don't know. James, thank you so much. I don't know who that is, by the way. I'm not saying they throw it all away with Trump. Maybe they throw it all away with Cruz. I don't believe that because I'm for Cruz. I, you know, so I can only be honest with you. But I know it is possible to throw away 25 years of who you are and who people think you are and whether they're willing to admit they're for you if you put what they regard as some nut at the top of the ticket. Jay Severin. Excelsior. The Blaze Radio Network. On the Blaze Radio Network. one 3393 Answer. Only 6% of voters last night in Wisconsin, 6%, said immigration was a top issue for them. Question. Why didn't Donald Trump do better in Wisconsin? There you go. There's one reason. Also, and I believe that of the maybe three most important polling questions I'm aware of, and those I haven't been involved with since the late 70s, uh, I have studied, and like, you know, the Harris organization from back in World War II. I mean, long before we were all around, but they did, you know, their first couple of national polling organizations. Um, Harris may have been the first, but in any case, of all the questions ever tried, you will hear that the king and queens among these questions are, do you believe our country, our state, our city, it depends on, it's plugged into every poll for every office in America. And you just insert the level of municipality, okay? I believe things in our blank, city, state, country, whatever, are generally on the right track or generally on the wrong track. The results of that question 
may be the single greatest barometer measure of how a prospective uh, challenger is going to do in a race and what the prospects of an incumbent are for re-election. The right track, it's called the right track, wrong track question. There are a couple others, but one of them, which is fairly new, I think it's post-80s, or as of the 80s, I'm, I'm not exactly sure, is this one. Agree or disagree, blank cares about people like me. Or, in a, another form, blank shares my values. And this, like the right track, wrong track, is the personal version of the political, you know, right track, wrong track. You know, is our state on the right track or the wrong track? That's more or less a political question, even though they will personally blame the governor. It's still kind of a, you know, political question. But if the governor's name is Smith and you say, you know, governor, agree or disagree, Governor Smith uh, shares my values, yes or no? That is probably the one, no, not probably, it is one of the top one or two or three questions ever invented by survey work, by polling, public opinion polling, survey work, that will tell you, it serves as the best measure of how someone's going to do. Well, uh, in Wisconsin yesterday, blank shares my values. Ted Cruz shares my values. 66% agree. 66% Ted Cruz shares my values. Donald Trump shares my values. 11. 11. This one goes to 11. 66 to 11 shares my values. If, if, when you hear that in the exit polling, depending on who will give you, that is such a tell that a lot of networks won't give you that early because they figure you might watch a good Western or something. You might turn on a good old John Wayne movie. I might once I know that because if you tell me, if I had known yesterday at you know 3 o'clock Eastern the results of this from exit polling, I could have saved us all a lot of time and worry. Shares my values. Cruz, 66. Trump, 11. I could have told you to watch a good movie last night. So there's that. And those are the two. There were others, but those are two fails that jump out at you from the the exit polling. One of the most noteworthy things that happened yesterday in Wisconsin, too, is that Kasich had an extraordinary result. Kasich, as in S-I-C-K. Kasich had an extraordinary result for two reasons. One is it made Guru Jay wrong. Because <laughs> I said he'd get, what, 23? I said between 19 and 23. And everything was pegged, in my mind, for Kasich to do poorly, but you know, to show up, given that it was Wisconsin and all. Without going into it, uh, boy, was I wrong. 
Like, roll the tape on this, Brittany. I don't think we have another one of these. You ready? Those of you listening at home, catch this now. There may not be another until the next appearance of Hallie's Comet. You ready? Boy, was I wrong. Holy cow, Chip. Holy cow pie. Did I get this one? Was this a boner? Did Guru Jay pull a boner here or what? Uh, Kasich got 13%. So, again, it was extraordinary in that he made me wrong. But the other thing that is, in uh, all seriousness aside for a moment, the reason that this is meaningful is that this means voters in Wisconsin anyway. Now, that may or may not be trending, but it could be. These things start to trend about this time in a presidential and national race. But it may or may not. I'm not going to jump to conclusions, especially for a guy who said that a guy was going to get 10% more than he got. Um, but Kasich getting only 13% in Wisconsin, his representing, as it does, a moderate you know, alternative, that he got only 13% tells me that the voters are starting to focus on a two-man race. This tells me that when you've got when you've got Trump coming in at 30 or 33 whatever it is and Kasich at 43 or 45 and you've got you've got Kasich at 13 this tells me that something we have known for a long time the mainstream media doesn't seem to get it but you and I have known for a while and that is Kasich is not a serious candidate Kasich has no support Kasich has no base. Kasich is a butt boy of the Republican National Committee. Kasich is an errand boy. Kasich is a used Trojan horse or a used Trojan horse. I mean, this guy is from nowhere. And without some deal, someone explained to me, I can't prove there's a deal. Someone proved to me or argue, sorry, argue to me that John Kasich is in this race if he doesn't have a deal with the RNC. Where is his money coming from? I mean, I won't ask the Pope where he got his jewelry, but I will ask Kasich where he's getting his money. And uh, how does Guru Jay think Ted Cruz will play in New York with the New York media? Guru Jay is glad you asked. Oh, wait till he weirdly gets a load of the New York media. They're going to savage him. Now, I don't mean they'll prevail, but Ted Cruz has never received. I saw this come and go. I, my mentor is David Garth. I worked for David Garth in New York City, uh, including the 1988, was it 88? Primary. Al Gore came to town in the Democrat primary. Jesse Jackson, Al Gore, Michael Dukakis, a full slate of Democrats. Al Gore was accustomed to a certain kind of treatment. The New York media savaged Al Gore. It was like I was watching a lion kill someone and suck their bones. It's like Jurassic Park. 
Think of the scene in the movie, which is the most gruesome you can ever recall. That's what this was like. This guy had been a U.S. senator for 25 years, and he came to New York, and they sucked his eyeballs out right in front of everybody. It was like a five-year-old watching, you know, know, Chainsaw 9. And you know what? They're all liberals, the media in New York. But once you arrive... On the stage, they don't care. They want a headline. The New York Post will suck your brains out of your ear and eat them on television for a headline tomorrow. And so will the liberal Daily News, and so will every other media outlet in New York City. No one has ever or will ever face what you face when you face the New York media. Trust me on this. Ed from California. Welcome. Hey, Jay. How are you doing? All right. Ed, welcome. Uh, Thank you. It's a pleasure to talk to you. I want to talk My about pleasure, Mr. Sir. Trump a little bit. I was a yeah. Trump for a long time. I was a, I was a very uh, avid Trump supporter. But he's actually mm-hmm. like a five-year-old child. Everything is unfair and unfair. And, oh, they're treating me unfair. And... And and I put on my Facebook page that I just can't openly support him anymore. Now, I'll vote for him if it comes to general election, of course, because Hillary is the worst thing ever. You know, I just want to put that out there. I mean, he just no, acts agreed. like a child. I, I, and I, well, it, he is, unfortunately, a reflection and I'm going to be very partisan here. He is a reflection of childish people. I don't know. You know, I... I, I was since, a Trump supporter since, for just one reason. I thought he was going to be able to do something. Shake things up. Because I've, right? never, I've, never, I've never seen his shows. I've never watched The uh, Apprentice or whatever. Nor have I. No. no, but you so thought is. he would shake things up. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. And he would. But we don't know how. Donald Trump was on the radio yesterday afternoon criticizing Scott Walker of Wisconsin. Probably well, I, the best governor we... lost Wisconsin. It's just, well, yeah, there's have, that. He, yeah. he needs to Yes, hire, there's that. There's, he the poli- needs to hire, there's the politics. I, I'm sorry to interrupt you, sir. It's okay. My fault. He, my fault. But, Ed, no. I must break. Let me say in thanking you that what I wanted to say was, Scott Walker, yeah, there's the politics of it. It was really stupid to criticize a governor who's the most popular in the history of politics or political polling in Wisconsin. Uh, The guy's got an 83% approval rating, and you're calling him everything but a man uh, in a radio interview. But specifically, Trump hammered him for not raising taxes. Like all the things that Walker, Governor Walker is loved for, like he broke the unions, he broke their ass, and he, and he wouldn't raise taxes, and all these other things. And Trump went on and said, that's stupid. He should have raised taxes. Stupid. Stupid. He should have raised taxes. He should have worked with the unions. You know? Jay Severin, the Blaze Radio Network. 
Jay Severin Show. With you, the best and brightest on the Blaze Radio Network. Uh, you know, I mentioned a couple of minutes ago Cruz and the New York media and that I think he's in for a little bit of a shock. And again, no, no criticism of him. Nobody who has not faced it. It's, an, it's such an entirely different animal. No one ever has any idea. Two minutes. Any idea what it's like. Until the, the this horde of locusts descends on you, they are bloodless, and and well we'll we'll see, could be fine. By the way, Trump does pretty well because he was reared on that. See, Trump, I don't know what kind of treatment they'll give him now, but he's always enjoyed pretty good media. He's always known how to handle himself. So he cut his teeth on the New York media. So it will be interesting to see how they treat him, whether they treat him as the returning prodigal son or whether they say, oh, now this is a different ballgame. We're going to try to take him apart. This will be an interesting part of bread and circus. Yes. But the other thing is protesters. Okay. Think about the cities, the locations in which there have been Trump protesters. Now, I don't know which the cities those are. I think there was one in, uh, what, Chicago? Yes, there was one in Chicago. And there have been other places. But none of them is New York. You want protests? You want protesters? You want violent protesters? You want protesters such as you've never seen? Well, let's just say that protesters in New York are on the same level and cut of the same cloth as New York media, okay? If there are going to be animated, let's just say animated for now, like really animated protesters against Trump, you're going to see them for the next two weeks starting now. Jay Severin on the Blaze Radio Network.